0: Hi there and welcome. Now it's time for America's favorite podcast. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. If it's fire, loose fit it, it's Cortez. If freezing is in it, it's Cortez. Leave your mark. It's about inspiring the world. One guess at a time. Pass the word from Brooklyn to Pittsburgh, from urban to suburb, it's Cortez, you heard? And here is our host,
1: Vince Cortez. Today's guest on Leave Your Mark is Jesse Washington, a man of many accomplishments. He is originally from Brooklyn, New York. He has created a life for himself that others only dream about. Currently the senior writer for The Undefeated. And those of you who do not know what The Undefeated is, a platform for exploring the intersections of race, sports, and culture. If you have a story to share, tell us, how are you going to leave your mark? Thank you for being my guest today, Jesse. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate you having me, man. Thank you. Your story is very, very heartwarming. Uh, You're from Brooklyn, New York, and you mentioned that your mom's a civil worker and your dad's an artist. Most curiously, what is biggest influences in your life from your parents?
2: Well, I probably have to start with the fact that my parents are members of the Baha'i faith, and they gave me this understanding of God and our purpose here in this world. And so that was the primary influence. And then also my parents were big readers. They chose not to have a television in our house while we were growing up. Yes, money was definitely tight. So it would have been a stretch, but they could have got a television, but they chose not to. And we read a lot. So that gave me a love of reading, which is why I'm doing what I'm doing today.
1: Now, was your entire childhood in Brooklyn
2: or did you spend time in other areas in New York? No, it was not born in Brooklyn. And then when I was in elementary school, we had a fire in our house and it burned down. And so then we moved about an hour and a half north of New York City to an area called Dutchess County. And then we moved around a lot. Before I graduated from high school, after our house burned down, we probably moved 10 times, lived in 10 different places, more or less. So that was where I did from elementary school until I graduated from high school was in the Dutchess County area of New York. Wobbinger Falls, Poughkeepsie, Pauling, mostly in Poughkeepsie, though, was where I went to junior high school and high school.
1: Your dad being an artist, what kind of an artist was he?
2: My dad was a visual artist. So he painted pictures, made sculptures. He made things that are hard to describe. Vinny, I'm going to show you. Okay. <laughs> so unfortunately, your audience can't see it. But this is the kind of work that my dad does. As you can see, the light comes through it. Um, For anybody who's listening, if you're interested in seeing the art of the great Bunch Washington, you can go to bunch. B-U-N-C-H So that's what my dad did. But he was a creative person. He also wrote books. He did poetry. He was a musician. And so obviously a lot of this stuff was really came down to me. And it's why I do a lot of things I do. My dad was a creative person and I appreciate his gifts that he gave me. And then meanwhile, my mom was a social worker and a teacher and an educator and always worked with us on our schoolwork and things like that. So between those influences really kind of built the foundation for what I'm doing now.
1: That's awesome. It's, a, it's always good to hear a good family background. Now, when did you realize you were going to be a writer? Being a you know,
2: writer sounded like it hit you pretty early. It did. And it was an accident. And the reason why is because we had a family friend, a Baha'i guy named Tom Halstead, who worked at the Poughkeepsie Journal. And I was looking for a summer job after my freshman year in college. And he said, well, Jess, you play ball. You like to read. Maybe this would be something that's interesting to you. And that's how I found my career. But to me, the big lesson of that is that I found a career through a family connection. We were fortunate enough to have somebody who worked in that area. And there's so many young people today whose families don't have those connections to these type of careers, who don't know people who are doctors or lawyers or newspaper executives. And so then that closes off an avenue of opportunity for them. I was very fortunate despite coming from a very poor background. We lived in the projects, we didn't have any money, but we had friends who had accomplished careers that opened a path for me. So let's keep that in mind when we're trying to help all the people in our community who may not have those networks. of you who do have those networks and who are in these great careers that offer, you know, rewarding work that's well-paid throughout your lifetime, let's make sure to extend an avenue to get into those careers to young people who may not know you. How are you reaching out? How are you telling people, hey, this is what's going on? How are you looking in unexpected places for people with talent? Because I was a kid, I mean, I think I had a little bit of talent, Vinny. You know what I'm saying? I think so. <laughs> right. I you know, think I think that, I a little that, bit of talent. that's and a bit it, of an understatement. Yeah. And <laughs> it had to be discovered, though. And there's so much talent, more talent than I ever had that just goes overlooked because they come from disadvantaged backgrounds and they don't have a connection to the people. So many people get into their careers because of connections, man. And we yeah. have this myth that it's always, oh, I worked hard. Yeah, you worked hard. and You may be good, but you had to connect. I'm not embarrassed about saying that. And so for those of us with the connections, let's connect to the people, all the people who need them.
1: Leading into that, it, being from the projects and being a Yale graduate, that in itself is quite an accomplishment as a young man. Was it a connection that helped got you in? And then once you got in, obviously you excelled because, I mean, you hit the ground running here things were going to happen.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. No, I didn't have a connect. I just applied early admission and got in and I said, all right, I'm going to go. And I didn't even visit campus, but everybody made a big deal out of it. My GPA was I never got anything other than an A. That was my GPA. Well, that's a deal the right was. there. Yeah, I don't know what the number was. Just the yeah. track
1: of A's. That's, that's a win, <laughs> win, win, win. You graduate college in 92 you said that the Yale doesn't give scholarships, so kind of give me a little background on that. Yeah, so, look
2: that video up, everybody. I could play a little bit, and a lot of people are really incredulous to when I say that I never got to play when I was at Yale. So this is what happened. So I'm growing up in Poughkeepsie, New York. This is in the 1980s. I graduated from high school in 86. And back then, we didn't have this whole infrastructure, AAU, how you play college oh, basketball, yeah. all that. Like, it didn't exist. You yeah, went to no, five you stars. played you know? on the street. It was played on the games. Games. and that's <laughs> all I did. <laughs> And I had no idea how any college coach was going to see me, but I didn't really aspire to that. I just played basketball because I loved it. And I was halfway decent. And also, I was a year young for my grade. Nowadays, all the kids are reclassifying and staying back a year in order to get bigger and stronger, compete better in basketball and get closer to a scholarship. I was skipped the third grade just academically. So I graduated from high school I turned 17 the day after I graduated from high school. Oh, wow. I was, but, so in my mind, but I like basketball. And so I sort of had a fantasy in my mind. But I was cool. You know, I was like, whatever, man, I'm going to college. I'm, I'm good, you know. <laughs> and wherever I'm at, I just play basketball. But I had this fantasy in my mind when I was a little kid. And I felt like whenever I was running someplace or out, like somebody would see me. And I didn't know for what. But I had this, it was like, oh, there'll be scouts and one day they'll see me. If I was running through the supermarket, if I had to turn down an aisle, I would make a really sharp (laughs) cut. Just to me, because the scouts might be watching, you know? And so when I got to Yale, I'm a scrawny freshman. I'm about 6'1", a buck 60. Literally, oh, wow. that was about the size I was. And I'm just hooping in the gym every day after class. Like, that's what we do. And the, the assistant coaches were there playing in the games with us. And they were like, hey, we need guys for the basketball team. You want to be on a team? <laughs> and, hey. and in my mind, I was like, it finally happened. There you the scouts saw me with the benefit of hindsight. What I think it was, was that the coach was in his first year there, Dick Coochin. And I believe that they needed more guys. And so they went around to sign to scoop up some guys to be practice players because I scored a grand total of two points in my Yale career, but it didn't really click in for me. You know, I was on the team. I had a good time by the time I got good. You know, by the time I got to be six four, six five, and dunking and playing real basketball, you know, they had other guys who they were interested in and stuff like that. And so um, I have no regrets or animosity. It was a cool experience. I made some great lifelong friends who are still my friends to this day. I played with, in practice anyway, with an NBA player, Chris Dudley, and it was cool. So that was my college basketball experience. However, I will say this. Anybody out there who sees this and think they could beat me one-on-one, I welcome you to try. Because <laughs> within the radius of this podcast, in Beaver and Allegheny County, the only person you know, I'm saying can take me is Coltrane Washington. That's
1: uh, it. <laughs> nah, that, that actually, I've heard stories about you and Coltrane down at the YMCA arguing who was the best player
2: in the gym. There's no more argument left. It's clearly him. But other than that. Just you know, touching maybe-
1: on him. Hey, they were in the NCAA. They were they just were. They, they played this week and so
2: kudos to him. He's doing good over there, at Jackson. Sure. I might have a handful with Nelly Cummings, but other than that, I can't think of anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> High school or college in the greater Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh area. area. Dustin Sleva, maybe you know. Now I'm exaggerating, but not by much.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Connect with us on LinkedIn. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. What jumping out the MC or jumping. You are listening to, listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave your mark.
1: So part of the appeal that you have here is is that you're... Not shot. You know your level of ability and your confidence and it comes out in your writing. And I think it, it happened right away with your work because your work ethic was obvious. You're a journalist in your freshman year. You come out in 92, you get picked up by the AP. 96, you're managing energy vibe. You're probably good friends with Quincy Jones. He's the producer of that, correct? Uh, we know each other. <laughs> OK, because uh, a quick backstory on that, I had a line of apparel for a while and I would go up to Javits Center in New York and display my wares at the convention center. And I got to meet Quincy. I don't know if you Keith Klinkscale. Did you know him? Keith and,
2: and I know each other very well. Quincy, he's a little bit on another stratosphere for me. But Keith and I are peoples. We still talk to this day.
1: Uh, okay, well, you'll have to mention my name because uh, I will. He was especially nice to me and shared me around and actually helped me get business up there. so I was most grateful to him. But uh, back to you. So you come out in 96, editor of The Vibe, 98, you're editor-in-chief of The Blaze. You're bold to your stories. I mean, in your one buy, you're getting in a scrap with a rapper and you get hospitalized. What happened there?
2: Huh. Well, you know, I sort of had this history with my journalism where I just feel like I'm going to tell the truth and get to the heart of the things. And that was essentially what it was, man. There was these guys and they were upset with something we had put in our magazine that was factually accurate and the way they wanted to resolve the problem was to do a number on my face and you know so there was four guys there Uh, there was one of me and and that's how it went down oh my Um, so you know it was definitely uh something to remember but again you know i don't hold any animosity towards any of these experiences i wouldn't trade it in for something else i learned things about myself i think people who have trespassed in those ways learn things about themselves And you just keep it moving. But I did another article recently where Antonio Brown, the late Pittsburgh Steeler, threatened to punch me in the face. And someone said, Jesse, why are people always getting upset over the things that you're writing? And my answer was, I'm not afraid to write what's true. And so I think that that's sort of the theme. That's what happened with that initial incident. And that's what I'm here, you know, in 2018 with AB. And that's just how it goes down. That's sort of the approach I bring to my work.
1: Well, the fact that you're... Committed to the truth is heartwarming. You go on here besides what you had accomplished at this point, and you write two more books. You co-founded a magazine in 2001. You return back to the AP. I mean, you're cooking like Betty Crocker here. I mean, come on. (laughs) And now you come out with your own novel, Black Will Shoot, in 2008, and then... But having been a player myself and a coach's son, John Tompkins is, in one of my opinion, is one of the top five college coaches of all time. To say that they were intimidating when they came on the court was an understatement because, first of all, they knew how to play the game. Second of all, they knew how to play defense. If you're going to get past Georgetown's press, you might have a chance. But right, that was and then only- you got
2: to get past Pat Ewing. Yeah, and, and, or a but that was, the, that was that yeah, was the, the beginning day. of it. That was the
1: beginning yeah. of it for a championship
2: while. game. Yeah. championship game. Three out of four years.
0: You are listening to Leave Your Mark, Leave mark. with your host Vince Cortez. Leave Your mind. Your mark. Inspire in the world. One guess at a time.
1: How did you get the uh, relationship with Coach Thompson? Because he's a pretty private guy, because you're writing his autobiography with him. So, how did that come to be?
2: Well, number one, he was looking for somebody to write his book. He didn't know who I was. His children were investigating. He had a literary agent. They thought I might be a good person. So then once he chose me out of the people who he was considering, then I really had to earn his trust. And the way I did that was by working hard. I didn't just come and sit down and say, okay, coach, what do you want to talk about? I came prepared to every session. I did research. I had ideas. I had things that I wanted him to talk about. I dug up things that he had forgotten. And then he said to me, you're working hard, Jesse, I like to see that. So he was still in a coaching mode, even at that age. And then also, you know, I think he appreciated that I was able to make the book sound like him. And then once he saw that I was working hard, that I understood the points he was trying to make, and that when I wrote it, I had to take myself out of the equation. My name on the cover of the book is 120th the size of his, and there's a reason for that. And so, you know, (laughs) this was John Thompson's book not Jesse Washington's book. And so I wrote it so it would sound like him. And once all that came together, that's when he started to trust me and then things really took off.
1: This is fantastic. So now you're the undefeated and this is picking up speed now. Idea of race, sports and culture couldn't be a, more of a hot button in our society today. Your fearlessness to tell the truth, you're representing yourself, your family and your culture with intellect, wisdom, and pride. And so the reality of this strong of a stature and this much courage, to me, you're the biggest influence in many people's lives when they find out about you. Who would be the biggest influence in yours?
2: Well, right now, you know, I had, which I already described the influence of my parents. And right now I would say the biggest influence in my life is my wife and children because I'm there to support them. They support me. I rely on them for advice, guidance, wisdom. For example, I recently got an assignment with ESPN. We have a special coming up soon called "Dear Black Woman." We are delivering a message to Black women everywhere through the lens of athletics, and they wanted me to write the introductory essay. and I hope you guys check it out. I think it's coming on at ESPN. I said, "Huh? Well." I live with three black women. My wife and I have two, two black women who are my daughters, you know, ages 18 and 13. And I immediately went to them and said, this is my assignment. What do you think? And I like got all of their feedback and what's important to them, how they feel about things that are going on. And I incorporated that into my work. The other thing is that I feel a big responsibility to represent my family well and to make them proud of me. Even though I'm the parent, I still feel that. And I'll give you an example. One of the reasons why basketball, I believe, is so wonderful is that it constantly encourages us to improve our character. Okay, so we're here in the Quaker Valley area and there's a local YMCA where we all hoop at. And as far as I'm concerned, there's nobody better than me at that YMCA except maybe Coltrane, but he's in college now, so he's not around too much. And I'm, trying, and I'm really trying to win every time I go there. And sometimes my competitive nature has pushed me to do things that are really embarrassing. And they'd be really embarrassing. I'm not representing my family well, but I took it too far competitively. And my family and my children and my wife being the most important influences in my life, they are an influence for me to be like, Jess, man, you need to change how you're acting out here. It's not cool. So, you know, for overall, I think that we have to embrace the fact that we're all part of a family and a community. We all have a responsibility to each other in terms of how we carry ourselves how to demonstrate good character in all of our endeavors, including basketball. So that's why I would say that my family is the biggest
0: influence. If you are listening from Australia, Florida, or just from around the corner, from the East Coast to West Coast outlets, if you're not it, 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 to the dirty South straight, make a body, modern. contact us, leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez.
1: With your current status and where you stand, what methods are you using, besides using your family's help, to stay on top of your game?
2: No, that's a great question, Vinny. There's very specific things that I'm doing to become better in my profession all the time. And you know, my dad used to say, son, if you want to accomplish something, you got to pray really hard, and then you got to really work at it. And if you do either one without the other, it ain't gonna happen. (laughs) Right. The Blue
1: Ribbon Recipe winning ingredient.
2: So as a journalist, the number one thing that I do to improve my game, and I feel that this can apply to any profession that we're in, is to investigate and engage with opinions other than my own, to understand how the world works and how people feel who don't think like me, because that gives us a greater awareness. It gives us a greater competency in order to deal with other people, in order to be successful in any lane that we're in, any profession. You have to be able to effectively deal with other people. Very few of us, if any, exist in a little silo by ourselves where all we have to do is do our own thing. We have to engage with other people. And if we can really understand what is important to them, how they think, why they feel what they feel, even if we disagree with their views, it's going to make us better at what we do. So that's the first thing that I do. I read widely and I try to engage through interviews and through reading with opinions other than my own. Other than that, man, to be a good writer, you got to read and you got to read a lot. So I'm constantly reading. I'm trying to challenge myself in other areas. I was recently privileged to be able to produce my first documentary, The March on Washington, Keepers of the Dream, which is now streaming on Hulu. And so I'm learning how to create, produce and direct documentaries. So these are the ways that I'm trying to continue to get better. And I honestly feel that my best work is in front of me.
0: If you have a story to share, tell us, how are you going to leave your mark? mark. We want you to be our guest. guest. Contact us, leave your mark with our host Vince Cortez.
1: At this point, what is your most proud moment of your career?
2: Man, since it just the book was published so recently, I feel that it would be Helping coach John Thompson write his autobiography, I came as a shadow because I'm really still overwhelmed by the response to it. And I get so many messages saying the book has touched people. And so helping him to tell his story has been a very proud moment for me. And also because it was really an act of service and servanthood. I was telling his story and helping him do something, and it wasn't about me. You know, I'm glad that my name was on the cover of the book. I feel fortunate for that. But This was his book, Coach Don Thompson. On
1: some levels, I mean, his legend is huge. I mean, it's really big. And he's not just in one community. He's universal to sports. Yeah. And the idea of the trust in you, I think it's thrilling. I mean, I'm excited for you knowing that because I think that a lot of what he did was very careful, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was very, very smart.
2: He was very well thought out. He knew yeah. how much of himself to give. Yeah. And Let me add one more thing though, if you don't mind about ahead? what I'm proud of and what I'm really proud of in my career. And it's not one moment, but it's a theme and which is helping people who don't have a voice to be heard. And helping to empower people who don't have that. Here's an example. We're here in the Beaver County area. There was a story out a couple years ago when Aliquippa High School chose to move to a new football coach. And there was a lot of animosity around their choice for a change. And I really felt that that community over there, which is oppressed because of race and poverty, I felt that they weren't being heard and nobody wanted to listen to why they were making the choices that they were. And why they chose to hire a new coach. And there was a dominant narrative in the local media where people didn't do their job and go and find out and ask questions about why they were making those choices. But they made assumptions and they labeled them. And it really bothered me. So I did a big in-depth story on theundefeated.com about how Aliquippa hired their new football coach. And I felt like I gave that community a voice. And that's a consistent theme in the type of work that I try to do. So to me, on the one hand, you got coach John Thompson, who is at the top, but really helping the little people on the bottom is something that makes me very proud.
1: That's your humble beginnings resonating in you. Your core is there. Connect with us
0: on LinkedIn. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You are listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave your mark. What would your next biggest challenge in your career
2: be man, moving forward? Well, I think it's to keep doing work that's important and it's meaningful. And I enjoy sports a whole lot. Some of the funnest stuff that I've done, you can see it on the internet, you know, me playing basketball with t- Twitter trolls or writing articles about why James Harden needs to stop flopping to get fouls. Like that's fun. But to continue to do work that can help make, things better, that can help people think about things in a way to continue to help the Black community and other oppressed and marginalized people to gain full equality in this country. You know, those are the things that's next. Um, specifically, I have a couple of ideas for other books in the works, and I think I'll get another chance to do some more films. Um, right now for the TheUndefeated.com, I am covering The Trial of Derek Chauvin, That is the police officer who knelt on George Floyd's neck. I'm covering that and writing articles about that trial so we can see how the justice system actually operates. He's charged with second degree murder and manslaughter in that case. So that's what's on my plate.
1: Just incredibly bold because so many people that topic in and itself are scared to death of or people are afraid to talk about. And you're embracing it full on. I open asked mi- for that aside. Open-minded, a mindset of which you want to hear the whole story, not part of the story or a narrated story. So I applaud you for having the courage to literally, if we're going where you're going to get physically rattled by characters all the way to, I mean, you're seasoned now. This isn't going to scare you. You're good to go. So That's true. we see where you have gone, We see where you've been. We see your influences. How would you like Jesse Washington to be referenced when you're not around?
2: As someone who tried to serve others and to, give voice to people who are overlooked and marginalized and don't have an equal shot in society.
1: Where can I direct people to find your book, John Thompson, mm-hmm. and how to get connected with you on Undefeated and get in on your Twitter action and DM you and uh, get to rub shoulders with
2: you a bit. You can find my work on theundefeated.com. You can see more about the history of my work on jessewashington.com. Twitter is at jessewashington, J-E-S-S-E-W-A-S-H-I-N-G-T-O-N. And you can find me, um, if you're trying to get this W, you can find me at a basketball court near you. And that's a show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesse, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. I was, Thanks, Renny. I, I get to see you at one of the hoop games down the street.
2: Absolutely, man, for sure. Right. I'll see you soon. Bye. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for listening to Leave Your Mark today. Tune into our next
0: episode of Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez. Be blessed. You just left your mark. Thanks for listening. Listen to more episodes on demand. Just click Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez.